0: The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. be to thee, O Christ. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. There are all kinds of different ways that you can know a person, some better and some worse. So, for instance, you might have some shirt-tailed cousin that you met when you were 11 years old and you might say, oh yeah, I know who that person is. I know their name, at least. I remember what they were like so many years ago. I know them. Or maybe that one famous person you met that one time when you shook their hand. Oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. You remember that we're all just six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon, right? We all know Kevin Bacon a little bit by our connection to him. Or maybe you might say that you know someone who is a friend of a friend, right? You know their name. You know what they do. You know what they're about. You've been told about them. (laughs) Then, of course, there are those people who have 2,000 friends on Facebook, people that they apparently know to some degree, or at least they know something about them, which has to do with another aspect of knowing, not just what you know about other people, but what they know about you. Facebook and social media have this way of allowing us to be known by other people, but not really, to be known by other people the way that we want to be known, to curate ourselves and our lives so that other people see us the way that we want them to see us. So if you you choose the right photos to share and you post the right memes and you like the right posts from all the other people in your lives, you can paint a picture of yourself so that other people know you the way that you want to be known. But of course, it's not who you really are. We do that in our daily lives anyways, apart from social media. Social media just makes it easier. We curate ourselves. We only show some of ourselves to others. We airbrush our defects and we polish up the things that we don't like about ourselves. We highlight the things that we really do like so that other people can know not who we really are, but who we wish we were, who we want to be. We want to be known a certain way. This is kind of like with little kids. Uh, who might be doing something naughty and who have no scruples, however, about hiding what they're doing when they're naughty. So a three-year-old doesn't know that they should hide when they're being naughty. And so they do naughty things right in the middle of everyone in the middle of the living room. But then when they notice that somebody's looking at them, they get ashamed. So I've heard some little kid, I won't say which one, some little kids say things like this. When they've been caught, they say, don't see me. Don't see me. I don't want to be seen For who I really am. Now that's remarkable from a three-year-old. Turns out we are all three-year-olds. As we get older, we get better at hiding who we really are. That's all that growing up really means in this world. Getting better at hiding who we really are. Perhaps that's why we do such a bad job of loving others. Because we're so busy trying to be known a certain way. If you want to love someone, if you want to know someone, you have to pay attention to them. You have to listen to them and stop paying attention to yourself. Stop trying to curate yourself. Stop trying to put forward a face so that others think about you and instead think about them. Contrast that, how we think about knowing and being known. Compare that with what Jesus says in our gospel lesson today. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Now, these are really familiar words. Jesus, the good shepherd, you see it every Sunday. That's a precious stained glass window. Don't ever tire of looking at that. But when you look at it, think about this, that that shepherd knows his sheep, and his sheep know him, but not in the way that you and I know each other. In fact, it's probably good that we don't know each other as well as we might, because if we really knew what was in the hearts of each one of us, it'd be disaster, We'd have all kinds of trouble on our hands. It's good that we don't truly know each other, but Jesus does. The shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep know his shepherd in this way. As the Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the Father. That's perfect knowledge. Nothing hidden, nothing overlooked, no mistakes, no misapprehension, no misperception. The Father knows the Son perfectly, and the Son knows the Father perfectly. The son knows the will of the father perfectly, that his will is to love you and to give good things to you, that he created you out of the kindness of his heart and he redeemed you because he loves you. The son knows that perfectly. The son knows the will of the father perfectly, just as the father knows the son perfectly. He sees his heart. So the father knows that when he asks the son to do something, he's going to do it. He's going to be obedient. He's going to be grateful. He's going to do it perfectly. Perfect knowledge between the Father and the Son. It's impossible for us to imagine what that's like, to perfectly know someone. But that's how it is between the Father and the Son. There's no miscommunication ever between the two of them. And that works for them, especially for this reason, because their hearts are perfect. The Father's heart is perfect and the Son's heart is perfect. There's nothing for either of them to hide from one another. No shame only perfect love. What a joy that would be. Like Adam and Eve standing in the Garden of Eden loving one another perfectly. Not having to hide anything. Not being ashamed. Not being afraid. But loving and being loved perfectly. It's really beyond the pale of any experience we've ever had in this life. You can recognize this, I think, in yourselves. That you're always hedging. You're always hiding something. You're always holding back lest you be hurt or lest you hurt someone else. Not so with the father and the son. Their hearts are perfectly open to one another. But notice this. Jesus says that that's how the shepherd knows his sheep. Nothing hidden, nothing out of the light, perfect knowledge. The shepherd knows his sheep perfectly. Now what's striking, of course, is that the difference here. Is that the hearts of the sheep are not perfect, the way the heart of the father and the son are the hearts of the father and the son are perfect. The sheep have miserable, awful, stinky, dirty, dark hearts. For the shepherd to know his sheep is, to not, is not to know something beautiful, not to know something lovely, not to know something perfect or desirable. For the shepherd to know his sheep is to know those sheep who Ezekiel named: the lost, the strayed, the injured, the weak, those who have run away. The shepherd knows his sheep perfectly. Now, he knows his sheep. Jesus knows you, not based on what you do. Lots of people think that their lives are what can be seen on the outside. So if you do good things, then when the good shepherd looks at you, he's going to say, hey, you're a great sheep, and I love you. The shepherd does not merely look at the things that you do to know you. He looks at your heart. He looks inside of you. And what he sees there is what no one wants to admit. Jesus says, he explains to you what's in your heart. He says, out of your hearts, out of the hearts of men, come all kinds of evil. That is the source of evil. The hearts of men that love things that are opposed to God and his good will. When the shepherd looks at your heart, that's what he sees. That's what he saw from the moment Adam and Eve fell into sin. Pay attention. Because if you examine your heart and you do not see evil, if you examine your heart and you think that it's just fine, or at least it's better than most, and it's okay, then you have not listened to the words of the shepherd. You have not heard his voice. He says, your heart is dead. Your heart needs to be remade. The heart that you were born with is cold and hard as stone. That's what's in the heart of men. And that... That is what the shepherd sees. That is what he knows about his sheep. When he looks at your heart, he does not see perfection. But this is why the shepherd is good. He's a good shepherd not because he's morally good, like he always does the right thing. Not because he's especially skillful at corralling sheep. He's good because when he sees your awful condition when he sees the strayed and the lost and the injured and the weak, when he sees the darkness of your heart, he does not recoil. He does not turn away in disgust. He doesn't hide his face. That's what we are inclined to do when we see something awful. And it's a good inclination for the most part. When you see something disgusting, you turn away from it. You recoil. You feel awful about it. You want nothing to do with it. But that is not what the good shepherd does. When he sees you miserable and afraid, when he sees you lost and condemned, when he sees you in league with the devil and already lying in your grave, he does not turn his face from you. Instead, he lets his countenance shine upon you. He turns towards you. The lost and the strain and the injured and the weak, he goes after, he pursues, precisely because he knows them. He knows that apart from him and apart from his love, they will never make it. You will never make it. He loves knowing you because it lets him save you. Now when we get glimpses of these things in ourselves or in one another, we have the exact opposite reaction. So when you see sin in your heart or in another person's heart, your inclination, our sinful inclination is to minimize it. Maybe you've had these conversations with somebody. Somebody is unloading themselves, right? They're they're guilty about something, and they've told you what they've done. Our inclination is always to make it seem smaller than it actually was. It's really not a big deal. That's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has trouble. Everybody's weak. It's okay. It's not a big deal. That one doesn't really matter that much. Or, when somebody is suffering grief or sorrow, we think about ourselves so often and how uncomfortable it makes us Feel. And so we try to say something or try to find something to say that softens the impact on us, not recognizing that this person is suffering. And there's nothing you can say or do to end that or to stop that. And in the worst case, we just turn away. We recoil from the ugliness, from the misery. We walk on the other side of the road like that priest and that Levite because we cannot bear the sight of something so awful. That's how humans, sinful humans, react to the misery that Jesus sees in our hearts, which he does not flee from, but which he draws closer to. He's the good Samaritan, the enemy of that man who's lying on the side of the road, who does not walk on the other side of the road, but comes close and pours oil and wine on him and binds up his wounds and covers all of his weakness. He's not ashamed to be with him. He's not ashamed to get dirty, to touch him. To heal him, he's not ashamed to pour himself out for this poor man. That's how Jesus is for you and for me. He's the good shepherd, to this point, that He lays down his life for the sheep. What shepherd would do that? By all accounts, by worldly accounts, that's not a good shepherd, that's a dumb shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep. But our shepherd is good. And his goodness is in this, that when he sees your heart and he knows you, he draws closer and he pursues you and he follows you and he speaks to you, he calls to you so that you can hear his voice and draw near to him. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He doesn't love you in the way that we tend to love one another, merely for show. Jesus is not thinking about optics. He's not thinking about how things appear. He's not pulling up close to you and taking a selfie and then posting it on Facebook so everybody can see what a nice guy he is. He's not asking what your love language is, how you really want to be loved. He's asking, what do you need? What do you need but forgiveness and life and salvation? What do you need but his heart open to you, his blood poured out for you, and so he does it? That is what makes him good. It's unbelievable. What is it like? To have someone on your side in that way. We have so little experience of this in our lives. It's hard for us to imagine. And that is why it is so important that we hear Jesus' words. Because he insists. This is who I am for you. I am not like other people. I am not like other shepherds. Least of all am I like a hired hand. I love you. And I'm laying down my life for you. He sets you free. He takes you in his arms and carries you. So that you do not need to be afraid. This opens up your life in a way that nothing else could, to have the Good Shepherd on your side, to be his sheep, and to know and see his heart for you. After all, it's not just that the Good Shepherd knows you, but you know him. He has hidden nothing from you. He laid bare his heart for you on the cross. He said, this is all I care about, you and your life and your salvation. You know him perfectly when you see what he has done for you on the cross, when you hear his promises and his declaration of love for you, and that is what sets you free. It's what sets you free to follow in his footsteps. St. Peter talks about following the example of Jesus, and this is where the rubber meets the road in many ways for Christians being sheep of the Good Shepherd. We are always tempted to fall back into our old ways, to stray again, to once again, Allow ourselves to be weak and injured and lost and straying. And so St. Peter says, follow the example of Jesus. What does it look like? When you suffer, do not threaten. When you are reviled, do not revile in return. But instead, entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. To be the one who belongs to the good shepherd, to be one of his sheep, means that what anyone else thinks or says about you does not matter. Now that may seem trivial, that may seem like good advice that you might get from some wise person in this world, but it is better than good advice, and it is more important than good advice. To care what other people think or say about you is to forget what Jesus has said about you. To measure yourself based on what other people think of you, how they judge you, how they appraise you, is to forget that the judgment has already been made. The verdict has already been declared in Christ dying on the cross. You have been set free from sin. You are perfect in Christ Jesus. Your sins, worse than you can imagine, have been taken away as far as the east is from the west. What anyone else has to say about you, what they think about you based on what they see, matters not at all. And that is why when you are reviled, when people speak evil about you, especially for Christ's sake, you can forget about it. You don't have to dig in your heels and make a defense of yourself. You don't have to take their accusations and argue with them. You don't have to pay attention to what they say because you are entrusting yourself to the one who judges justly, to God himself, who looked at your sins and says, it's worse than you think, and my love for you is greater than you could imagine. It's the devil himself who inspires people to make judgments and accusations and revile and threaten It's the devil himself who likes to take your sins and throw them back in your face to say, you're not a great person, nobody loves you, least of all God. That's what the devil says. In Christ, as a sheep of the good shepherd, you get to agree with the devil to some degree. When he says, your sins are awful, you get to say, guess what? They're worse. Worse than you think. When he says, think of all the things you've done, you get to say to the devil, I can think of many more than you can name because I have Christ on my side and he has dealt with every last one of them. When people accuse you, when they speak evil of you, you don't have to defend yourself. Instead, you entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. That sets you free. This is why people are so busy trying to be known a certain way, trying to be known as someone they are not, because they're concerned about what other people think of them, what other people say of them, how they appear in this world. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You've been known by God. And in his knowing you, he loved you and laid down his life for you. So think about him instead. Think about what he says about you. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. He knows you. He has called you by name. Listen to his voice. It is tender and gentle. He will bind up your wounds. He will heal all your sicknesses. He will cover all of your guilt. Stay near to him. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.